When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, Tino and James here with the Final Whistle Show. Uh, the morning after the night before, is Celtic just about got away with it against Tibbs. Adam Ida getting a double, uh, his first two goals for the club. But James, I think it papers over a lot of the cracks. We'll get stuck into it and a whole lot more. But what's your initial response to the game? It's, it's how you use it. Yeah, of course, the three points is all that matters. But we're obviously going to talk about the other things that matter. It's like the only thing that matters. Um but it does, it papers over the cracks. There's there's just, the team don't seem to get it. You know, they don't seem to know how to play within this formation, within this system. Um, maybe signings would have changed that. But at the end of the day, we are where we are now. We've got this squad and we've got a title on the line and they've just got to really up their game. I, I, I kind of put more on the players than the manager, but the manager is heavily hit as well. He's He's got to be under... Real pressure now, more pressure than before. You and I are, are generally big fans of Brendan Rodgers, and I've spoken about the the circumstances he's had to work under between lack of support in terms of the signings. He's been unlucky with injuries to key players like Hatati, Carter Vickers, whoever else. Um, but now it is what it is. You know, we know who's going to be here between now and May. He's got all the players at his disposal. You get the return of guys like Dyson Maeda, and there's one or two things happening. Either the message isn't getting through in terms of what he wants his players to do, or there is no real message. And that would be a bigger concern now. Of course, there is a message, there's a style of play, but it's very hard to see what he's trying. I'm at the game last night, you're you're watching at home, you know, you'll see things I didn't see and vice versa, but it's very flat, it's very uninspiring, and, and I don't really know what the the, the system is. What, what's the key, you know, what are the main principles of this style of play? I mean, it's heavy possession base, we know that. But for me, I'm seeing a real lack of bravery. There was a about a 20 minute period where, you know, with possession and we're coming out of defence with the ball and Hibs just, you know, retreated way back to their own half and they've got 10 outfield players in their own half and we've got eight and we've got two in our own half being scales and, and Welsh. You saw a couple of points actually, Cal McGregor's trying to pull the team back towards our own goal to bring Hibs up the park and stretch him a wee bit, but they didn't even really seem to respond to him or they did and then they slotted back into where they were comfy. And where they were comfy was when they were being marked. That, for me, just screams a lack of bravery. I'm looking particularly at Bernardo and Matt O'Reilly, but I'm also looking at Nicholas Kuhn and Dizemaida as my creators. I'm not really on um, Alistair Johnson, Tony Ralston, um, who switched it over, and Bernabe, because they're there, they're there to support the attacking players once a move is, is starting to come together. Those are my four main culprits as to why this system isn't working. I'd agree with that in, in you know, huge parts. There's also, and this is Celtic's problem to deal with, but when you're doing that thing where you're playing it about between your goalie and your two centre-halves, the reason teams generally do that is to set traps, to draw the opposition forward and then so, play between the lines. If Hibs choose not to do that, and that's absolutely their prerogative to do so, 
then Celtic just looked devoid of ideas. We had no ideas, as you say. So if Scales and Welsh are the two guys playing past the parcel, Hibs are just letting them do that, more or less. So you've got 10 Hibs players in a really congested area and only eight Celtic players, which means that the the midfielders you mentioned, the O'Reilly's, the, the Bernardos, Kuhn and Maeda in the first half, they need to do so much more to show for the ball and then go and be the creative players that, that we know they can be. And it, it didn't happen at any point. And, you know, we put the, the tweet out a wee bit before kickoff or before the team was announced to say, you know, choose your wingers here. Here's your four options. Kuhn, Maeda, Palma and Abada. What, four, what two out of the four are you going with on this occasion? But loads of replies and almost everybody, Kuhn, Maeda, Maeda, Kuhn, Dyson's back, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I then tweeted after the game that Celtic have got a serious winger problem. We've got about six wingers to choose from and none of them are doing it. And it was a, a real issue last night. It was. I mean, you've got to be disappointed with Kuhn. You know, I appreciate he's, you know, just in the door, settling in all these things. But what what his most innate style is to go at a man. And he was so timid. He'd have a chance just saying, right, take your man on. And he would just turn back and give it to O'Reilly, who would give it to Welsh, who would give it to Scales. And here we go again. That That is a real breakdown in the system. Because if you're not going to be brave enough, and if you take your man on, you lose the ball, we'll press it and we'll get it back and we'll go again, we'll go again. And that'll, you know, grind hips down. But if you're not even taking the guy on, the guy's loving it. It's just that. And then Dyson, uh, there's just some real mad stuff from Dyson. Um, you had a couple of good runs and a couple of good balls to, to get on the end of those runs. But the final product in terms of crossing or shooting or dribbling, wasn't there. So it's a huge problem. Some crazy stuff from my either. There really was. And there was such a clamour for him to come back. And I was amongst that in terms of we know what he's got and what he's not got, but he brings a lot of work rate and pressing from the front and a lot of, you know, support to his teammates, different things like that. But at the end of the day, as a footballer, you've got to be decent at football. And sometimes you, re- you really have to question that. You remember the, the one... I don't know, 10 minutes to go, where he breaks down the left-hand side, right hand, left-hand side, sorry, and him and Burnaby <laughs> get on each other's road and the ball just trickles out for a bike kick. It was infuriating. In a game you're, you're looking to chase and you're looking for a bit of quality, you're, you're saying, right, who's going to be the hero? Who's going to step up with a wee bit of magic? It's not in my either's locker, certainly on the ball stuff. You know, he can run onto things, he's powerful, he can drive at folk. He's got very little skill, very little technical skill. And it was really apparent yesterday. I mean, you know, just overall, you know, there's times where Celtic were breaking, we're getting in the final third, just running out of ideas. You mentioned there this possession-based model of Brendan Rodgers. There's no doubt we dominate possession, but it is it's this horseshoe we speak about. You know, go up the right-hand side, it's not working, come right back through the middle and up the left-hand side. And basically, when we get in the final third, we have zero ideas. And Brido from the show made the, the novel suggestion Get a right winger on the right, a left winger on the left, so that when you get there, sometimes you don't even need to take on the fullback. Do, do what David Beckham done. David Beckham made a living out of crossing it early. Now, now, we don't have David Beckham on our side, but we've got guys that have the ability to cross the ball. So rather than think, I need to take on this left back and get to the byline and whip it over, just get it out of your feet and whip it in a dangerous area. More so now that we've got Adam Eda up there. We can get to the Kyogo situation in a minute, but Adam Eda looks like a big, powerful handful of a striker. And you've now got that option. Why don't we do it? Inverted wingers, such a frustration. It's such a frustration in 
a system, then a different system. It's a beautiful thing in a system like Andrews, but this isn't that. This is possession, patient, with the ball retention, um, slow attacks. You know, it, it's totally different. So you're picking a bit from Angie's system and trying to deploy it in here because the players you've got can play that. Maybe Johnson, certainly Greg Taylor excels at that and doesn't excel it as an overlapping fullback. Um, I was thinking about it this morning. One of the best things that could have happened to Ange was clear out, you know, because of the COVID season, it was just right. Everybody out, all these players in, and they're players that I've picked because I know they'll play my system. But you've got Rodgers playing with Ange's players and a bundle of development players that the recruitment team signed, none of which fit his system. Not none of which, but, you know, say 80%, that's a lot to not fit his system. So he's having to re-gear them. And I'm not just saying this to defend Rodgers, but that's that's a technical reason as to why this isn't happening. So the player needs to change or Rodgers changes his system to a system that suits the players and managers rarely do that. Yeah, and it's, it's whether it was Brendan Rodgers that came in in the summer or anybody else, Angeball is relatively unique in the modern game. You know, he's gone down, down to the Premier League there in England and folks like Gary Neville are like, you know, this is madness. He can't play football like this. This is crazy stuff. He sticks with it, as we know. that That's just Angie's way and, and he won't change it. <clears throat> but it was relatively unique and we all took a bit of getting used to it, you know, the first couple of months and, you know, three wins at the opening six league games and all these kind of, you know, stats that were thrown at us. And it's a unique style of football and... For the most part, you know, most of your squad spent two years on it, got up to speed with it, and then thoroughly enjoyed it. So as I say, whether it's Rodgers or somebody else coming in, it was going to be change, and it doesn't look like the players have fully embraced the change. You know, there, there is this disconnect, and there's very few games, <clears throat> excuse me, very few games this season where it's properly clicked for Celtic. I tell you what, let's take it back to the, the lineup just to catch those kind of key points. A uh, few changes, of course. The two wide men, you know, get the start that everyone was generally calling for. Kuhn and Maeda. Navrocki out again after he's he's shown at Aberdeen, Stephen Welsh back in. I really don't like the chopping and changing at centre-half. Sometimes it's injury-enforced and sometimes it seems to be quality-enforced. You know, guys not being good enough at different times. So that's a concern. And obviously they swap around later on in the game when Welsh has to go off. And then the big one, I suppose, Kyogo doesn't get the start and Adamida does. Um, where do they start with? Can I cut the wingers? Let, let, let's stay on the Kyogo thing You know, just for a wee bit here. There's no doubt he's a guy out of sorts. Now, whether that's the system or the individual himself, kind of doesn't matter. If he's out of sorts, then the manager's got a call to make there. And last night, as you said at the top of the piece, performance, unfortunately, came second to getting the three points. The most important thing is getting the win there last night. And he's thought Adam Eder was the best guy to do that on the day. So he gets to start and you've then got your talisman, your main man from last season, the guy that won all the awards, swept the boards, Kicking his heels on the bench, it's it as a cause for concern. It's sad to see. Obviously, he's, he's a hero, um, but there's a harsh reality comes into it. If Kyogo, like Greg Taylor, really suits an Ange ball system, and Brendan Rodgers doesn't play that, then it's always going to be frustrating for him. He's not going to morph himself into a six foot two powerhouse striker. That's just not it. You know, you saw the first time around. Rogers like to play with physical strikers that could, you know, shield the ball, bring other players up the park, you know, hold attacks up that way. It's not Kyogo's game. He's fast. He's dynamite. You know, dynamic. He's looking to get the on the end of fast crosses from Maeda and Abada. So there's an awful lot that you know. It's just looking like it's a system issue. 
which is why your your transfer windows were also important. Um, I I just feel frustrated for the wee guy. I, I liked when he came on and he kept Ida on because you've then got the best of both kind of thing, and you know he can feed off scraps from Ida. One is the penalty, obviously Kyogo got his shot in there, so he wasn't not involved. But he, you know, was it put kind of snatching at things a wee bit? There was one that dropped him about maybe ten yards out, and any other you know season he's just tucking that away, you know, with style, and he, he snatched at it and. Didn't, didn't come to anything. So you can he's an emotional guy. You know, he 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 breathes off the bleep, breathes off the fans kind of thing, you know. So he'll be feeling it. Um and I do feel for him. But we need pure pragmatism between now and the end of May. So if Kilgo needs to bench and either starts, I'd, I'm fine with that. Yeah, so be it. Uh, you'll have seen Kyogo a bit subdued at the end as well. He's usually front and center of the celebrations. For whatever reason, he made a conscious decision just to stay towards the back. Someone said it's because he got injured at the penalty, maybe, but he's usually far more involved. Um, let's get to the the match action itself. So obviously, the the big early incident is the penalty. I don't think there's any malice or any great intention from the defender, but he certainly smashed Alistair Johnson in the back of the head. So it's got to be a penalty. Fingers crossed, of course, that all okay with Alistair Johnson. He tweeted last night or Instagram that that was him. And hospital, and, and hopefully he makes a full recovery there. Um, but it is a penalty, and we've been crying out for a taker. You might have seen Adam Ida's penalty for uh, Ireland against the Netherlands, tucked away very confidently, uh, fairly recently. And he looked confident, you know, just body language, just the way he stepped up, you know, shoulders back, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and it's a relatively pressure penalty. You know, he's new at the club, he knows all eyes are on him. He started over the main man, Kyogo. And he's talked that away with real confidence. It does, you know, go the wrong way. I liked his run up. There was no messing about. There was no daft Palmer stuff, you know, slow, whatever, short run ups, none of that. It was a good old fashioned, not a terrible old fashioned person, but I like an old fashioned penalty. Just back, good run up. Pick your side, hit it with confidence, and just, you know, if the goal happens to go the right way, maybe fair enough. But He's, he's done everything right and just gets us off to an absolute flyer. Um, one thing I would say is, and tell me if you know any particular rule on this, right? So I don't think there was intent from the guy, but he definitely endangered Alistair Johnson. I mean, that was a ridiculous... He shouldn't have been going for that ball. He was, you know, 20-80 in Alistair Johnson's favour. Johnson's went well up and got it. Being so dangerous, should that be a red card? That's the kind of challenge we're trying to take out of the game. You know, we look at motor neurons and Alzheimer's and all these things that Chris Sutton's heavily involved in, that doesn't help. So I, I would say it's, it's endangering your opponent now. I, I don't really know the rule, is the honest answer on it. Um, it you can certainly, you see, you've seen red cards where there's absolutely no intent. You know, sometimes a ball's coming out the sky and if a guy maybe turns around to volley it and blindside volleys at an opponent, for example, there's no intent, you know, but there's a an injury has been caused and he's endangered the opponent. And you've seen those kind of ones end up in red cards. So I don't know. I don't know if it comes down to interpretation from the ref on the day. Certainly purely accidental, but also dangerous. So I don't know. You've got to protect footballers across the board where you can. And uh, I'm not sure what the rule is, to be honest with you, but it's certainly a nasty injury that he's picked up. And there's a concern there. You've got a guy in the deck holding his head who gets stretched off. So as I say, fingers crossed, all okay there. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying sight at any time in football. Um, you mentioned, you know, a good old-fashioned run-up. 
and I, I'm all for all things old-fashioned, old-fashioned run-ups for penalties, old-fashioned wingers, you know, old-fashioned be direct when you need to be, all that kind of stuff, inverted wingers. Sometimes football's trying to be too clever for its own good, I think, and, and not necessarily in a, in a positive way. We've spoken about the fact that Celtic have struggled to break down teams, particularly when we don't score early. But you've scored there in 10 minutes, you know, and, and obviously there was a delay before it with the injury, but you've, you know, registered your first goal 10 minutes in against the Hibs side who are struggling on the, the bottom six of the table at this moment in time. And you you hope that Celtic are going to kick on at that point, but they didn't. And the biggest frustration was every time it went to Nicholas Kuhn on the right-hand side and every time it went to Dyes Maida on the left-hand side, it just ended up coming back in a congested middle area. I don't think at any point any of the two of them showed the bravery and character to just go and say, I'm going to take my man on here and see what happens. I hate to go back to Andrew, we've done it a few times already in this show, but he would have been screaming at his wingers to go and take the man on. He'd have been furious at the fact that they took what for me is the easy out. And I know Nicholas Kuhn's new to life at Celtic, but you're a winger and you get presented with a one-on-one opportunity against a left-back. That's your dream scenario. One-on-one, that, you know, it's not like three of them are trebling up on him or anything like that. So there you go and you say, go and take the guy on, give it your best, see where, he, see where it ends up. The worst, it might be a corner, or you might lose possession, but don't worry, there's plenty of guys back. But just go for it. And there's a, there's a real reluctance for, not just the wingers, various players at Celtic, there's a real reluctance to take the handbrake off and play with freedom. And I think we've seen that probably across the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, specifically on the wingers, you know, we've got, like you said, a lot of them there. And on loan, Mikey Johnson's probably the best at taking guys on. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not yeah. a great defender of Mikey Johnson. I'll leave that up to yourself. But I'm not interested in any winger that can't take his man on because that's almost specifically what you're there for, to eliminate that guy, get past him, make something happen, get across and whatever it may be. If you're not that, then give me 4-4-2. Four, four, you know, just be an extra midfielder because you're not going to give me anything in the flanks. It's so, so frustrating. Fix that, and I think we go a long way to fixing the problem. Not all of them, but a long way to getting us on the road to sorting all of them. Yeah, I, I, I said after the game, or I tweeted after the game, that we've got a, a genuine winger crisis. There's about 62 from at the moment, the four that featured last night, plus James Forrest and Yang will come back. But none of them are setting the header light, you know, at any real point this season. And as I can say, because that's your creative outlet, they're generally speaking going to be the last guys that touch the ball before it's converted by your striker. And if they're not creating those chances, you're going to struggle. Um, and I do have the whole... You know, Kuhn is settling into life in Glasgow, but he's been a winger all his days, whether he's 22 or 32. Taking guys on is his bread and butter, or should be. And I thought he put in a really, really poor performance. And Brendan Rodgers obviously gave him the start, you know, the big confidence boost. And he's one of only two uh, January signings we made. Rodgers will have been really disappointed with that performance, both offensively and defensively, by the way. A couple of times in that first half, you know, he's meant to have serious pace, but at times he get caught out and Hibs were able to get the ball across the box. So disappointing all round from Kuhn. What about anything else of note in the first half, James? As I say, we struggled to get that foothold with a recycling possession. There was just no real inspiration. And, you know, you're right, Callum McGregor was trying to rally the troops, but nobody was really, you know, I think we spoke in the pre-match about who's the scruff of the neck guy? Who's going to say, right, let me go and take control. I can I can play ball here and let's go and do something and make things happen. We know O'Reilly's capable, Bernardo's capable on his day. None of these guys were really, you know, getting us going. The only one that did any real dig the whole game um, after they came on was Tony Ralston. And you obviously was instrumental in setting up the, the chance for the winner and um, for the penalty. 
But apart from that, I can't think of anyone that was really, you know, like you say, taking the game by the scruff of the neck. Carmack was trying to orchestrate, but they, that must have been frustrating for him because they weren't listening. And he's trying to move them about the pitch to to make space to defeat what his tactics were. Because you saw when Hibs were coming up, we were catching them a wee bit on the break and stuff like that. And it was just saying, you need to be nearer our goal um, to create some space that we can exploit. But uh, Tony Nelson, that's the only one that was taking the game with the scruff of the neck. And that's not really his job. No, and we'll get to the very important part Tony Ralston played a bit later in the show. Got Adam in the comments, my old pal Adam, uh, ever the optimist, telling us to cheer up. Um, I'd love to have more positive stuff to stay at them, but you've got, you've got to be real about what's going on. Don't worry, there's a, there's a match winner coming up just shortly for you. Um, did you yeah, before that, though, uh, Habs obviously get the equaliser. A decent finish from, from Levitt. Is there more we can do to defend that, or do you just accept that as a good finish? Shocking defending. You know, between Bernabe and Scales, I think it was, there's just a really weak challenge on the cross. Um, and fine, that can happen. You can get beat to a ball, whatever. But second ball, where's the desire? Where's the awareness and the aggression? It just, none of it. Hibs were just hungrier, so much hungrier than us at that point. And you can talk about signings and transfer windows and tactics and whatever. Hunger is hunger. And every single player in that park for Celtic should be hungry. You've got a title on the line, like I say. So I think it's pretty criminal um, as, as far as the defending that. That's it. He's no harm to the boys. He's taken it really well. But we were so poor. Yeah, so I've only I've only seen it from the game. We, we're obviously right behind that, looking down the barrel. And all you see is the ball coming out and the guy catching it fairly sweetly. Apparently took a nick on the way in, did it? Not much. Not much. I mean, Hart was pretty close to it. Um, I didn't see much of a nick. Okay. Um... At that point, you know, they score, you get behind the team again, you know, you get that kind of, okay, they've scored, but let's get back on top. Um, but actually, as it played out, it's Hibs that ended up with the big chances. They they saw their opportunity, and at one point, Celtic were on the ropes. They've had various chances. that The guys had a decent effort, the overhead kick. The boys come in at the back post and kind of got it all wrong, to be honest with you. Martin Boyle was looking lively. What was your thoughts at that time? Was it as... Anxious as it, as it felt for us, you know, you just felt you were waiting for Hibs to make it 2-1 to them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was, as it, as, as it seemed. Um, if you look at how we responded to scoring early and look at how Hibs responded to equalising, two totally different reactions. Hibs got belief and they knew we were vulnerable. We just went, well, there's a goal and we'll keep doing the same thing and we'll maybe get another goal the same way or whatever it may be. It's not, you've got to use momentum. It's so important off the park as well as on it. But, you know, on the park last night, we had that momentum early doors, didn't take it. Hibs got their momentum and completely capitalised on it. But for a bit of, you know, a wee bit of better quality, a bit more clinical finishing, yeah, they, they, they got their goals. Um, they're, they're a much improved team, I would say, with the likes of Boyle and Miller and various others coming back from travels and injury and these things. But these, these are guys that, you know, Punished us yesterday and could have punished us much more. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And I don't know if this Celtic side would have been able to respond to going 2-1 down. I'm really not sure. You know, all, all's well in the end. And yep, let's find the positives. But I'm just not convinced that had we gone 2-1 down, would have had enough to get back in. Someone's mentioned in the comments, Paddy Cairns is talking about Burnaby, um, saying that he was brutal. And I, I'm, not, I'm not going to argue with Paddy on that at all. There's other folks, some statos, um, 
after the game last night on Twitter saying, well, actually, he had most regained possessions and most blocks and tackles and all this kind of stuff. That's fine, but the eye test is important in football. I thought he was brutal. That, I thought he, they've described it as chaos ball. Like, give me that because that's what it was. Some some terrible stuff. He doesn't have any defensive instincts. That's not in his game. Yet he he pitches up as a left back. You know that's what it says on his CV that he's a left sided defender, and he's not. But you did see some good stuff going forward. Laterally, there was there was a, a great ball he flashed across the face of goal. He had a couple of good tackles. There's also some real nonsense in there. Is he a big reason why there's such chaos at the back? You know, some of the, the big Hibs chances have come down that channel. Yeah, I mean, for me, he's the profile of a Sakalam Tondo for Rangers because they play chaos ball and that, that suits their game and he'll pick up scraps in that kind of upper left quadrant. But that's not how we play football. And a lot of times he was doing stuff further apart, doing quite well. And you're like, but you shouldn't be there. You know, he was just ahead of himself. And defensively, he's all at sea. And my, my take on it as well, same as you, I thought at best he did as much bad as he did good. Um, and I think it was Ryan McGinley, uh, one of the, the kind of commentators, Celtic fan media commentators, said he'd uh, 10 duels won, which was a game high, and 10 duels lost, which was a game high. So that kind of, that bears it out, you know. Um, there, there's obviously something in Burnaby in terms of he's, he's got, you know, a bit of skill. Doesn't lag desire certainly um quite a hardy guy as well he can you know he can stand up for himself doesn't suit our system at all and the sooner taylor's back which might be kamarnik the 17th i think he's back for sunday they could be back for the, the next league game that would be an absolute blessing it would be um okay. not a lot of folk were saying that a few weeks ago better the devil you know with greg taylor um but yeah, Burnaby such a puzzling footballer, isn't he? And the bottom line is, somebody scouted him and watched similar performances and, and similar stats and thought, he'll do it for us. He wouldn't have fit. Ange Ball Ange didn't go for him. Uh, and I don't think he fits what Brendan Rodgers is trying to do either. Um, the, the, chat, the chat is that Ange did go for him. The recruitment team said, we don't think he's hitting the marks. And Ange said, that's the guy I want. Well, if that's true, then credit what is due to the much maligned recruitment team because they've called that one right and the managers overruled them. Um, Celtic obviously need the points. You know, we need to chase the game. Um, and we've made a couple of changes around about the 65th minute mark. Uh, Navrocki comes in for, well, should look to be hobbling. He's, he's obviously picked up a knock. Um, and we're not dwelling that for now, but there's such inconsistency at centre half and it definitely affects what we do. But Leah Labada comes on at the same time for Nicholas Kuhn. And if we haven't already, James, it's it's certainly time to talk about Lee Alabada and what he's brought to the party since he came back from injury. Don't want to turn this one into anything political, but I don't doubt that the trouble in his home country has had an impact on, on how he performs and where he is in terms of his headspace. He's clearly not in a great place at all. I thought he was woeful when he came on. Terrible. Everything he'd done. I'm not sure he'd done one thing right. There was one near the end as well where he managed to retain possession on the right tried to play it back to Ralston and just played out the park. It was really, really poor stuff. And then the other factor, which you may have seen post-match, yeah. is that he doesn't join in the celebrations at this moment in time. He just goes down the tunnel after the game. And apparently, I've not clocked it, but apparently he's done this now the last few games. Now, I can understand it to a huge extent because for him to go and celebrate, it means jumping and dancing in front of Palestine flags. And as I say, I'm not going to turn it into a political thing, but you can see the optics there. From his point of view, if people back home see that, it just takes one camera from behind Leah Labada 
towards a crowd with a Palestine flag and there's your image. And he's choosing to just walk down the tunnel. But that just tells you he's not part of it. His head's not in it. Maybe he can't be. Maybe he's so conflicted with what's going on personally. Uh, he just can't fully feature in a Celtic team. All the more puzzling then that Celtic as a club never sat down with him, got the realness of the situation out on the table and engineered some sort of move for him in January. But in terms of the, you know, the football side of things, you mentioned earlier on, pragmatism must come above all else at this moment in time. And Ali Alabada and the current headspace he's in can't feature for Celtic. He's given you nothing. And we need to address that as well as various other things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably top three of the recruitment team's failures in the window there. Um, I love Abad and I've backed him all the way since he came back from injury because it's, you know, it's difficult, despite my own feelings in the situation, it's difficult for him to, you know, please football. Whereas, that being the case, though, if you can't get your head around that, you've got to go and get another job, go and play elsewhere. And that is so apparent from the moment he came back that he's not interested in Celtic. He's maybe interested in playing a bit of football, but he's not interested in the team. He's not interested in Celtic. He's not interested in Celtic support. He's not driving towards any title. His head is completely elsewhere. So how the recruitment team and Rodgers didn't get together and say, look, with what we've got in terms of wingers, either we sign a replacement or whatever happens, this guy, even a loan move till the summer, and we see how things settle down, whatever. But get him out of the building because it's it's not happening. Um, he cannot, he cannot play for Celtic until he says, "I've got my head right," and his head is nowhere near right. You know, Young is coming back, and that gives us a bit of cover. It's maybe one of the worst performances I've seen from a Celtic sub. Yeah, I, I mean, from a senior pro, not somebody who's just, you know, a trier kind of thing. Senior pro with a great track record and great ability. You know, fouling guys in front of your own box because you're just throwing in lackluster um, tackles. That one with Alston. There was other ones up the park, just all over the place. And it's purely, you know, the guy's got ability all day long. It's purely mental. So out of the team, can't even be on the bench because I can't rely on him. So just completely out of the team and, and Yang in. We've got numbers there and James is there to a degree as well. So it's up to him and his agent to sort it out. But nah, I, I'd love to see a way back, but don't know if I do. I can't see a return. I think it's time that Celtic must be up because that situation is not going to change. Celtic fans aren't going to stop waving Palestine flags and, you know, nobody would expect them to do so. And and I just think that doesn't resolve itself. Celtic fans, you know, generally feel how we feel about that situation. That's not going to change. And I think his time is up. And I, I'm just puzzled why they never sorted it earlier. I also think what his teammates must feel, regardless of the politics, at the end of the day, they'll be up there working at Lennox Town, get out on match day, and to, the, to an extent, at that point, politics kind of goes out the window. You're just footballers working together as a team, and he's not pulling his weight as a teammate. And that starts to filter through in different directions. So, yeah, can't see a solution. I think his time is up, and I'm only to just watch that space closely. Um, back to the game, obviously, Celtic, you know, looking to make further changes to, to make things happen. Kyogo comes on, uh, as does Palmer, Paulo Bernardo. The ineffective Paulo Bernardo goes off, as does the Mad Maeda. Um, and Celtic go 4-4-2. It's how they finished the game against Aberdeen at the weekend. And you did start to see something at that point. You know, there was more options up front. I know what you're saying, Kyogo was trying too hard at different times. But all of a sudden, it left a wee bit more space for Adamida. And a few things started to happen, didn't it? Yes, yeah, so, so that being the case, you know, 
why not go 4 4 too early or 3 5 2 or whatever it needs to be? Um, I think a lot of guys were saying Rogers used to play quite a settled 3 4 3. I need to look into that myself, but something's got to change that we can get the ball up the park and keep it up the park and create chances. I didn't feel certainly until excuse me, 70 odd minutes, we were staying in Hibs final third. Ball was getting up, we're getting a chance, and it's one chance. There's no second phase, it's right back to you kind of thing and build again from the back. But in the last 20 minutes, and it wasn't that Hibs wasn't necessarily camping in, they were still trying to break, but the, the formation change meant the ball was staying up a wee bit. So there's talent on the park. So if the ball's in the final third longer, then chances are you're going to get more opportunities, and with more opportunities comes more goals. So why not play that from the start? I don't know. Yeah, and you could. You could counter that by saying, you know, sometimes you can only do it when the game starts to become stretched and there's different things. The opposition's made different changes, but I, I would be all for it. You know, we've got St Mirren on Sunday and I don't know how much you prioritise the Scottish Cup at this moment in time. And I'd rather Celtic potentially do go 4-4-2 and try and see if we can work that. And you might win or lose that one, you know, whatever it may be. But it's more important. We know how important this league title is this year. And we need to to get things right because things aren't right. There's such a disconnect. There's a comment from uh, Tigers B that's come in, and he says it looks like the wingers are suffering from Harry Kuehl's departure, and there might be something in that. You know, there's no doubt that he'll have had a positive influence. Dyson Maeda spoke about how much he worked with with Harry Kuehl, and you know, it's not excusing everything that's going on just now. But he's a guy that could put his arm around a Nicholas Kuhn and say, "Do you know what? I've been in your shoes." here's something you might want to do in that situation, or here's how you regain your confidence as a winger, or whatever it may be. I don't know much of anything about the, the new coach, Adam Sadler, that replaced Harry Kuehl, but there might be something in that. We're just trying to find any answer, James, to what, what the hell is going on. Um, Chris Davies, answer. Chris Davies. Big miss. Yeah, well, it seems that he's, I mean, he was obviously a close ally of Rogers for a number of years, and there's no doubt he'll, he'll feel that loss. Um, Going back to it, so big, big moment in the 91st minute by the looks of it. Celtic work a decent one-two in the edge of the box. Kyogo gets his strike away, but right away you seen contact. Were you calling for a penalty right away, or was it just on replays? I'm trying to think. I think once you... No, no, certainly not initially. No, I wasn't. Um, but as soon as you saw the first three player going, I think he's in the box there. And then it was O'Reilly actually was pushing the ref and saying, you need to look at that. Which, you know, I like and don't like. You shouldn't have to rely on O'Reilly. Farsi been his ear straight away saying there's something to look at here. So it's a bit arbitrary, you know. But lo and behold, it goes. You see the replay. Kyogo's got a decent shot away under pressure. Again, no intent uh, from Newell. Um, but he's caught him pretty, pretty high in the shin. And his foot, Kyogo's foot's well over the line. So it's, it's just unfortunate for... Um, for New Orleans, but it's definitely a penalty. Still, well, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, I was up at the game with my mate Paul and his son, and we got up early. Uh, you know, took the charge across early to Edinburgh and went for a wee Costa. And who did we see? Nick Walsh, him and one of his officials in the Costa. We just gave a nod, James. We didn't have much chat, but I gave my look, and the look kind of said, "You know what? If we get a chance around the ninety-first minute to give us a PK, Nick, do the right thing." Um, he's done the right thing. There's no debating that it's a penalty. And it's it's just particularly fortunate. It's the right call, absolutely. But out with that, I'm not sure Celtic were breaking them down. But it then comes to Adam Ida. Adam Ida. Man of the moment, you know, took his first penalty. 
you know, first start for Celtic, big, big pressure here. This is this is title winning stuff. You know, these are the ones that you might look back upon. Um he's in front of the Celtic fans. There is huge pressure. He's 22. You know, we talk about ages and different things and experience. He's a young man and he's fired away with real confidence and it's exactly what he needs. You know, that any new striker coming to Celtic, you say, I hope he gets a goal early. He's won as that game. He had an okay game. He had a couple of chances, I think, in the second half. He's had the Barry one that was offside, I think, and a few different moments, but he's played his part. And you actually wonder where we might have been without him last night because we've obviously got a penalty issue or had one. He seems to be the solution to that. Yeah, obviously it's not something we can rely on a couple of penalties again to to win the league. Um, very, very rare, I would say. But yeah, it's, it's great to have someone that can take them when the opportunities do come along. I thought he had a decent game. Um, you can definitely see, you know, there's, there's talent there. I loved when he got out in the, the touchline with a guy, and the guy was fairly comfy with the ball, the Hibs defender. He just bounced him, took the ball off him, and then kind of ran out of ideas as he got up. And I would say, I think... I think Abada was on by that point, and Abada made a run that actually made it harder for him to, to get it to him. He went near the defenders. He was kind of advanced. I don't know if it was necessarily he wasn't hiding or anything. It was just the game, the, the play was advancing. But if Abada had made a smarter run, I think either would have got it to Abada and Abada would have had a chance. But see, any good striker should go, well, there's no real chance. I'm just going to take my strike and see what happens. And he got caught between those two ideas and ended up turning around. But winning the ball back, that was your Jack Amakis type style, you know, a big physical guy. I always like strikers like that. So hopefully he'll just keep growing and improving. But the fact that he's got his, his two goals and one of them a, a winner, you know, in the last minute or an injury time anyway, it's got to do him the world of good. It has, and it's it's hard to drop him now. I don't think you can drop him. So does that mean yeah. Kyogo spends more time in the bench or do you go 4 4 2? So we'll see what the manager goes for uh, on Sunday. We can't not talk about that challenge by Tony Ralston. And it's exactly what you're wanting from from him or anybody. I think it's it's obviously the the situation that leads to the penalty kick. And Palmer had come down the left hand side, got his cutback all wrong, is broken to the Hibs player, and Ralston's just gone hell for leather. He put everything into the challenge, but it's a good, strong, clean challenge. We then work the one two and we get the penalty. And it's those moments, you know. Obviously, either either I need to get that right, but. Either then converts, and that's the all-important thing. But you need those moments all across the park to, to lift your teammates. And I think that could prove to be one of the most important tackles of the season. I certainly hope it does, you know, and I, and I certainly hope it does for Tony Ralston. Um, just big fan of his attitude, you know. that His attitude never falters. It, it, if they were all giving it like Tony's giving it, we'd be in a much better place. Um, just committed, even when guys, when he was defending... Yesterday, um, he's, he's a good, solid right back for me. I, he's maybe just not got enough to to be top level Celtic, but I love having him around. And I was I picked him in my starting eleven yesterday, so I wasn't unhappy to see him coming on as much as I was unhappy to see Alistair Johnson going off. But yeah, just just pure commitment and work the ball, and that's what got us a chance. So these are the moments that can make a break your season. So more of them, please. Yeah, and, and not disappointed that it looks like Tony Ralston you know, might get a run of a few games here uh, over the next few weeks. We've obviously got that break at the weekend, James. We've got St Mern in the Scottish Cup uh, over on Paisley on Sunday, and then it's Kilmarnock at Celtic Park next Saturday. And that's going to be interesting, so let, let's take a step back from the game and look at the bigger picture. I thought the Celtic fans were in good voice last night, really, really fully behind the team. 
Uh, you obviously seen the players coming and, and embracing that at the end. Not sure if I'd been going kind of big on the dancing and not stuff sure like that. that. It was maybe yeah, a time yeah. for a bit more, not Just humility, but stuff, you know. for the players to be a wee bit more, right, we've got the win, we can do much better, let's get up the road and, and kick on. But they're right to acknowledge the fans, they've done that. The moment the players have turned to walk away, they've cracked right into the chance of sack the board. Don't know if you caught that in the telly or not. I didn't hear it in the and, camera, yeah. And that's very much the sentiment at this moment in time. I think this, the Celtic fans, by and large, are fully behind this team, you know, but back the team, but put pressure on this board because the way this isn't the show for it, but the way we're operating as a club isn't good enough. And we're now gambling with 50, 60 million here. And, and that's not the way to approach anything. It's it's madness. It really is. But as I say, the all important thing last night was getting that win. Adam Eady's been the man on the night to do so. So, James, your final thoughts as we start to wrap this one up. So, it's my first thoughts. The three points were all that mattered. Um, but what we've got on top of that is, I mean, that dressing room must have been buzzing last night. You know, you've been in dressing rooms yourself, you get a last-minute winner. doesn't matter who's thinking you were the whole game. Getting that last-minute winner just creates an absolute buzz in the dressing room. And it's Roger's job to harness that and get the players to deliver better for the rest of the season and get this title. Yeah, and a lot of eyes on Brendan Rodgers just now, you know, leaving the ground, some folks messaging me separately, you know, some different tweets. A lot of folk, last night was the, the breaking point for them with Rodgers, and, and I can understand that. Things need to change, things need to improve. But while you're trying to do that, the most important thing is, is to get your wins. Has Brendan Rodgers first one at Easter Road in five attempts? He's drawn two, lost two, and now finally get the win. And, and let's hope it proves to be a really significant win come the end of the season. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. What day is this, James? Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow with a pre-match ahead of that game on Sunday at Easter Road, uh, <laughs> at St Mirren. Uh, Easter Road was last night. Thanks to everyone who's joined us in the comments, as always. Thanks to those who are listening in podcast format. But in the meantime, from myself and James, thanks again, and we'll see you all very soon. Podcast Network.